Hey everybody, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast it is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? And I'm your host, Darren Johnson. Welcome to the show, especially if you're brand new checking us out. A lot of you are. If you like what you are listening to and like this episode, I think you will. Feel free, subscribe to this podcast. You do not miss an episode. Every guest is unique and special and everyone thought-provoking. And episode 72 is no exception because we are joined by Heather Thompson Day. I've been waiting for this interview. I've been trying to get Heather on the show for some time. We finally were able to get our calendars synced up. She finally said yes, and it was worth the wait. Uh, this is less of an interview, more of a conversation. And let me tell you a little bit more about Heather before I go too far. Dr. Heather Thompson Day is an interdenominational speaker, a best-selling author, and has been a contributor for Christianity Today and Newsweek. She's also the host of the wildly popular Viral Jesus podcast with the Christianity Today. It charts in one of the top podcasts of all Christian podcasts in the United States. She's an associate professor of communication at Andrews University, and she is passionate about supporting women and runs an online community called I'm That Wife, which has over 270,000 followers. She believes her calling is to stand in the gaps of our churches for young people. And this is a calling for Heather about serving college students and women unapologetically. What can you expect to learn in this conversation? Well, I think you're going to get a different take on what it means to be a mentor and the influence that we can have in the lives of others. We're also going to talk about your calling. How do you know where your calling is and what next steps should you take? And we spent a lot of time on Gen Z. What are they thinking? What are they facing? And what does the future hold for them and for all of us? And we talk a lot about faith in this podcast. For many of you listening, faith is important to you. I know that. For some listening, maybe not so much. I'm telling you, wherever you come at this in this world of faith, whatever, wherever you are in your faith journey, it is all good here. I am so glad you're tuning in. I guarantee you that this will be a conversation that you will remember, and I think you're going to be sharing this with a whole lot of people. So now, let's not wait any longer. Heather Thompson Day is finally on the I Dare You podcast, everyone. Welcome to episode 72. Here, everyone, is Heather Thompson Day. Heather, nice to meet you. It is great having you here. I'm excited to be here. So, Heather, I've been looking forward to this interview. Um, I've become aware of your podcast, A Viral Jesus. Uh, you are an eight-time author, I believe. And just last night, I was up up late. I was reading the book, I'll See You Tomorrow. Oh. Powerful book. Powerful book. So I've got a lot of, yeah, a lot of questions about that. Uh, tell us about how would you describe who you are? I mean, how, how do you talk about it to others about what, what you're doing with your life? Who are you? Yeah, I always say that I am forever a student and forever a teacher. I think those two things, and it quite literally, is my professional work, but also it's really indicative of my entire personality. So I love consuming as much content, especially either in the space of communication or theology as I can, and then telling other people about what I've learned. You're uh, right now, you're a, you're a professor and you are yeah. teaching at a Christian university. How did you land where you are right now? Yeah, I started teaching when I was 24. Um, I, so I taught, and this is actually just the power of mentorship and saying something to somebody. I, I taught like a tiny mini lesson in a class called communication in the classroom during my graduate studies. And my professor at that time said to me, Hey, 
you were, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about teaching? And I hadn't up until that point. And so that little just stuck with me. And so when I finished my master's, I was going to do a PhD and I adjuncted, I asked to adjunct at this small community college in a place called Dwajak, Michigan. And the very first class I taught, I, I just remember going to the car in the parking lot afterwards and crying in the car. Wow. And saying, Lord, I would do this for free. It was, it was just one of those things. It's, people always talk about when you find your, your husband or your wife and you just know that was me with teaching. I experienced it and I just knew. And so from that day forward, I took as many adjunct classes as I could get. And then eventually landed up full-time in academia, which I've been in for like over a decade. You know, I've, I've heard a few interviews with you and I've heard you talk about this as well, that you view what you do as a bit of a, not a bit, as a ministry. It's how God is working through you to help others. And tell me a little bit more about that. When, when did you know that, or was it a pretty, pretty early observation for you? Mm, I knew it very early on. There was so many times, and especially I was teaching at a secular school, and I remember, and it's not like I was talking about God. I was just, I remember just like pausing in a lesson and saying like, Hey, I just, your voice matters. <laughs> I want you guys to understand how powerful your own voice is. And I just remember having these moments where you could hear a pin drop and students would stay after class and just say, I I've never had anyone say that to me before. And it had never dawned on me because I've so been immersed in evangelical culture where we talk like that all the time. I it had never dawned on me that there are people who have never been told that they matter in their entire lives. Wow. And so, yeah, it was just this moment where I realized how much teaching can really impact people's life. And I can't tell you just all the incredible, I just got a letter I, from a student, um, a former student, like a month ago, and she's now working at the white house, um, working with, um, advocacy policy for Syrian refugees, which she was like, we started that in my class. Cause in my class I did, I showed this documentary called Chicago girl, about what was going on in Syria and had them work on little projects around it. And it like somehow changed her entire course. I would have never known. And she's literally working in the white house on wow. this policy. Who, who would have known? It's just, it's wild. The things that God can do through you and you have no idea what seeds are being planted at the time. Yeah. Now your podcast viral Jesus. Uh, it's funny because I, I started binge listening to a few of your episodes about eh, probably about two weeks ago and what's been on my heart lately, and I can't really explain it. And it might be, maybe you can, maybe it's the Holy Spirit, but what's been in my heart lately is this whole idea of mentorship. And, and I've, been, I've been talking about it in some of my podcast episodes. I've been reading about it. And here I go on to your podcast, and here you have a series on mentorship, a four-part yeah. series. Um, tell, tell me this, why did you decide to do that type of a series? And what's driving you to get into this topic of mentorship? It's the number one thing students ask me. And really? I'm telling you, this has been like a generational shift because I've been teaching for over 10 years. It's only been in the last three or four that students will constantly say, will you be my mentor? Do you know someone who can mentor me? There, there's this craving in this generation, particularly Gen Z for adults who will journey beside them. And so that I view the podcast as a way for me to extend my classroom. I, I truly do. And so the things that I learn face-to-face -face with students are the things that I like to talk about in extended periods of time on the podcast. 
You know, one of your episodes right after the mentorship series had to do with Gen Z and had to get title that was Gen Z doesn't need, um, doesn't need your judgment or our judgment, yeah. I think the yeah. point was. But it really was a fascinating discussion because I'm a lot older than Gen Z. I'm a whole uh -huh. lot older than you, but I love listening to these interviews from young people. And one of the guests on your podcast talked about how um, one of his big takeaways was finding your calling and and that that uh, that journey and how God is you know yeah giving us a calling. His aha was. You don't have to have a calling to get into ministry. There are other ways you can have a calling. Mm -hmm. I'd love your take on that. I'm sure I'm sure you recall that conversation. What's your take on it? Yeah, I I'm somebody that believes firmly in the priesthood of all believers. I think if you are a Christian, you've been called. Um so hmm. I I think the way that we enact whatever it is that our personal story and experience aligns itself with is different, but I think that there should not be a separation or a division between ministry and whatever your profession is. And it, let me just give a really short example of a time that this really struck me. I was getting my car fixed and I went into like the auto shop and I was standing waiting for somebody to come to the desk. And as I looked on their board, it was just hundreds of cards, hundreds of cards of it, it's in a university town that I live in of students saying, thank you so much for helping me fix my car. Thank you so much for giving me a deal on my car. These, an auto body shop, people praising God for them, helping them continue on in their own studies. It just reminded me, it doesn't matter what you do when the Holy Spirit is with you and in you, people will receive that as if from God himself, even in an auto body shop. And they recognize if you read the cards, they, they knew exactly who it was who had helped them. And so I just, I want, and I hope that all Christians will understand that they've been called. Hmm. Uh, great perspective. And I just want to affirm what you're saying there, because in any vocation, uh, I, for, for, just so you know, I'm in corporate leadership. I've been um, in leadership in big corporations for about 30 years. And for me, a big pivot I had was when I was in my 20s, um, Heather, I was really not really satisfied with my job. I just was in a bit of a funk. I just thought, is, isn't there more? Is there more? Mm. And I remember thinking, do it, what do I do with my life? And I then read a, a book. I started working on my faith and my relationship with God and Jesus. And I read a few books about how you can, in fact, the book is called Wild at Heart, but it's about how you do not have to be going, you don't have to go into uh, mission work or ministry to make a difference. You can do yeah. that in, in your vocation. Long I, I'm rambling here, but the point is, then I got into leadership, leading other people. And I'm not saying I'm a great leader. I'm saying that I have seen how leaders can make a huge difference in the lives of others and mentors can as well. That's why I'm just so intrigued by what you're saying. So for those who are listening who are in a vocation, and I just want you to, to think about these words that, that Heather's bringing out. We do have an influence. It could just mm -hmm. be that one, one comment to someone else. It could be helping them in more overt ways. I, anyway, round that out for me. I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, I just believe that at the end of the day, and this is in my book, It's Not Your Turn, it's always your turn. <laughs> it is always your turn to live as if you have a purpose and your life matters. And I think one of the greatest schemes of the devil is to make you believe it doesn't to make you to believe that you're just going to work and nobody cares and it's not impacting anybody. 
but you have no idea how, what you say to somebody at lunch or in the office or acknowledging somebody else for their hard work. You have no idea what that person's going through and how it may change the trajectory of their day, which then leads to the next one, right? Like that's life little by little by little by little. So for someone who's listening, who's maybe driving on the way to work or going to pick up the kids from school, how would someone take a few next steps that would move them a little bit closer to that, uh, recognizing that they do have that purpose and stepping into that? What do you think? Yeah, I think it literally, well, I'm a communication professor, so it's, it's what you say to yourself. What are you saying to yourself right now, listener? What are you saying to yourself? And I would encourage you to say out loud because your brain is always listening to you. This matters. Hey, I'm going to go pick up my kids today. And when they get in the car, the way I talk to them matters. Everything I do matters. And how do we live with that type of intentionality? I can tell you it will be exhausting. It will be exhausting, but it will also be worth it. It's good. A key word for me, what you just said there is intentionality. If you just drift, if you're leaving this to chance, uh, the devil's got a really cool way of getting you off track pretty easy. Yeah. You really have to, it's, you really have to be intentional every moment, every decision every day, don't you? I, I think so. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned your book. Um, it's not your turn. And now you have yeah. another book more recently. I'll see you tomorrow. Tell me about these two books, Heather. Um, what is your process for determining this is the topic? This is the time. This is what's needed. How do you land on these books? They're incredible. Yeah, it really just depends on my experiences. I think what am I, what is the season that I found myself in? And what would be helpful for me to hear? That's kind of how I've approached it. And for it's not your turn. I was in a season where it felt like it wasn't my turn. Mm -hmm. It was actually with academia. I was trying to get a job um, full-time in academia after adjuncting for everybody. And I couldn't get one. And at the same time, one of my best friends called me and she said, you're not going to believe it. And I was like, what? And she's like, I just got hired by NASA. And I was like, wow. (laughs) That is great. Good for you. And I just heard this voice that I think is the Holy spirit say, Heather, it's not your turn, but it's hers. And so clap for her. And so that's what I did was I showed up for her and I believed my turn would come, but right now it's hers. And so support her and, and let her feel seen. And so it's just a conscious thing that I used to say to myself all the time when it felt like somebody else got the prayer I'd been praying. I'm like, God, wrong address. Somebody else is getting the prayers that I'm asking for. <laughs> and so I started just saying, you know, what? it's not your turn and that's okay. It doesn't mean your turn won't come. And then eventually what I came to is that who you are when it's not your turn is actually more important than who you will be when it is. Yeah. Well, I bet that that's, that message is so needed in today's world. I bet you got a lot of great feedback on that, so on that particular much. message. Did you not? Yeah, I was really, I I think because in a lot of ways that book was very vulnerable for me to write because I talk in that book about having my card declined on $2.50 plates, right? At the same time that I'm teaching. So my students look at me and think, oh, she, that's who I want to be. And I can't afford to buy my daughter plates, paper plates for her birthday. I mean, there was so much shame that was attached to that season of my life. It's going to make me cry. And so it's just been um, a a lesson to me in in my own faith and my spiritual journey to see God use 
that part of my life that felt so embarrassing and for other people to feel seen and encouraged to hold on in their own journey. I mean, what more can you ask for? Right? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people listening, uh, that maybe in that very same situation here this morning, what, what advice would you give to them that maybe they're in that same situation about it's not your turn? What would you say to them? Really who you are when it's not your turn is more important than who you will be when it, when it is. And what I mean by that is I started, I just had this moment where I decided I'm anointed and I'm going, and I'm not going to wait for somebody else to tell me it. I'm just going to, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to live my life as if it's true. And so I started teaching a class with like, you know, six kids whose heads are down on their desk and they don't want to be there. And I just decided, you know what, you're going to teach this class as if it's the most important thing you're ever going to do in your entire life. And I just did that. And then if I had an interview, like when I sit here with you, before I walk in, I always say to myself, like, this is good morning, America. You are going to sit down and you're going to do this interview. Like it's the most important thing you will ever do in your entire life. That's how, because it matters. Yes. When I started living my life as if it was my turn, even though my circumstances weren't confirming it little by little things did change. And this is a, this is like a seven year process. So I don't want anyone to say like, I snapped my fingers and everything was better. <laughs> it wasn't, but my yeah. heart changed and my life started to feel meaningful and purposeful, even though nothing on the outside was different. And that just changed the way I was experiencing my own life. Great advice. Great advice. You know, in your book, and I'm going to pivot now to your other book, I'll see you yeah. tomorrow, but there's a phrase there that is, um, you know, is similar to what you just said here. You wrote, my Christian experience so far has been with the God of, quote, daily bread, unquote. Mm. I haven't met the God of excess yet, but I know a lot about God of little by little, the God of patience, the God of just enough. Uh, round that out for me. Uh, what's, what, what's the backstory on that? This is, it, I just had an experience. It, it, we just did taxes and I owed like a ton of money on taxes that I was not anticipating. And I'm, I am, I am hopping mad. This is just literally on Saturday. Um, I'm so and sorry. I'm I've saying, been there. Oh my goodness. Like she told me my, I screamed on the phone and I'm saying to God, like, you, like you see me, <laughs> you yeah. see, I, Lord, I could not believe that I've put myself in this situation. Um, by trying to be so faithful. I have been so faithful, especially with tithe and all that stuff. So I'm just like processing all of this, feeling super frustrated. That's on Saturday. I can barely get out of my bed. This is just truth. On Sunday, I just feel crushed beneath the weight of this tax debt that I have to pay. And yeah. then yesterday I get an email um, from my agent that my next book um, deal came in. And the first advance that they're going to give me is the exact number that I have to pay to my taxes. <laughs> okay. This is what I've experienced with God. And for me, I, Lord, please give me uh, an overflow one day. But so far, <laughs> I've experienced the God of peace by piece by piece by piece, right? Not where like, you know, now I'm buying a new house, but I have enough to pay my, my debt. And yeah. then I'm going to try again tomorrow, right? Like that's the experience that I have had on my journey with God so far. Mm, powerful, powerful. You know, you, you brought up a couple of times here, the, well, I have Gen Z and mentorship, but you mentioned that they're more interested in, in mentorship than ever. Why do you think that is? What is going on with Gen Z? I, 
that I keep asking myself that same question. I'm not sure if it's just all the access to information that they have. I'm not sure if it's a response to the absence of adults in their lives. I'm not sure. Um, but they are super aware. And I also like, we know that this generation has, um, like more fears of like the first generation to not think that life is going to get better. This is, this is only this generation that thinks that so far, everybody thinks, oh yeah, it'll get better for the next generation. They think no. Um, so there's so much fear. And I think that they are looking for people to help guide them into adulthood. Hmm. And again, like what I tell my students all the time is, I mean, when we look at the stats facing this generation or just like society at large, none of this is their fault. All the negative statistics that we can say about depression, anxiety, suicide rates, none of this is their fault. This is, this is what they've been handed. This is the world that they've been handed. And now they're tasked to adapt and do the best they can with the tools they have. And so I do believe that it is the responsibility of adults. And I just think, especially like with ministry, there's so much ministry that can be done with adults who are in professional positions to help guide and mentor young people who are trying to figure out what does my faith have to do with my profession? They would love to answer that question. Hmm. So tell them what it looks like for you, right? How have you answered that question on a daily basis? And then walk them through those. And then the other thing I want to say is this is a generation that really, if they experience any um, rejection, they quit. They just think it's not meant to be. Um, I wasn't good enough. This, this is a generation that's been trained again, no no fault of their own. This is what we've handed them. We've given them a culture of instant gratification. It's supposed to happen quickly. Yeah. And so tell them your stories of how you failed and it took you 10 times. I think this is, I think this is a call to action. I'm hearing it loud and clear for Mm. everyone listening this is something we all can do in our circle of friends, in our circle. Who who can we just reach out to and a kind word, have coffee, schedule some yes. time with them. In fact, Heather, you mentioned when we were talking about mentorship, um, whether I read it or you said it, but being asked to be a mentor is really, really, that's heavy. And also yeah. maybe some good advice is don't rush up to someone and say, I think you got it all dialed in. Will you please be my mentor? There's a Number one, mentorship is important, but I think you had some really good perspective on how to ask someone or how to, you know, be a mentor for someone and how to be a mentee. Give us your thoughts on that, how to to take some next steps there. Yeah, mentorship is a relationship. And so it just as you would navigate any other relationship, it would be uncomfortable for somebody, it has been for me, for somebody who I don't really know to come up to me and say, will you be my mentor? I think it's like saying, will you marry me? So true. You know, like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I'm the right person for you. You yeah. don't know that I'm the right. I, that's a lot, right? Yeah, I'm going to fail if somebody, you. Yeah, that's what it, it's a lot of pressure. But if somebody yeah. says to you, hey, I would like to ask these three questions or these five questions, can we Zoom for 30 yeah. minutes? Can we go to coffee for 30 minutes? I'll buy you a coffee. I would just love to hear your input on this. Most people are going to say yes to that. And then as you're there, if it goes well, read the room, 
if that person seems into it, then you can say, this was so great. I actually have like four more questions. I don't want to take too much of your time today, but can we do this again in two months? Most people are going to say yes to that, right? So Mm -hmm. treat it like you would treat any other relationship. It's a good idea. Good idea. You know, I, at work, I mentioned I was in corporate America for 30 years. We had a formal mentorship program at one, one of the places I used to work where it was designed by HR. And it was just a, you know, f- you know, I was assigned somebody and vice yep. versa. <laughs> and so we, but one of the learnings there was we never had a good understanding at the beginning about what this relationship was going to look like. So it just never, we never knew when to end it or how it was going. And so it really was like we were dating, but we just got awkward after a little bit. <laughs> totally. I've been there. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at your book. I'll see you tomorrow. And it yeah. is about relationships. And one of the things you mentioned is that we're getting, we as a society and certainly uh, younger people are getting more lonely coming out of the, out of mm-hmm. COVID. Um, and a related point in, uh, there's some research I want to give to you, three points and I'll get your take on it. In 2022, a Pew Research Center, here are some three points. Men in their 20s are more likely than women in their 20s to be romantically uninvolved, sexually dormant, friendless, and lonely. That's point one. Mm. Point two, 50% of single men say they're looking for a committed romantic relationship. That's down from 61% in 2018. And the final point, 30 years ago, 55% of men reported having six or more close friends. In by 2021, that that number had had dropped to 27 percent. So I'm going back on this again. I know you don't have the answer, but I have to ask you, Heather, what is going on with Gen Z? But in particular, young men, what's happening? What what do you see? Yeah, my my suspicion is that this is all really deeply related to technology um, and addiction. So ask any addict how their relationships are. Hmm. Addiction is an override of dopamine in your brain. And what happens when we experience addiction is it's very difficult to have your pleasure sensors in your brain light up for anything that's not that addiction. Most of us are addicted to our cell phones. Gen Z grew up the first generation. We're going to see what this looks like that has actually grown up with their cell phones. And I say to my students, if the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is take a shot of alcohol. Yeah. Nobody's guessing what you are, right? You know, I'm going if the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is check your phone, if that impulse is so strong, what are you? And whenever we have addiction that we're struggling through, the result of addiction is always a de- decrease in social support. That's how it works. Wow. And so I really personally think that we have so much, and we also know that this generation, by the way, is like drinking less and doing drugs less. Well, that it's hard to, to serve all these different addictions. Sure. So we're so addicted to our technology and it's causing us, I think, to be lonely and isolated, which we always know is a result of addiction. And so, yeah, it's high. I, I really, really, really am passionate about talking to people about um, unplugging from their technology. I do it every single week. I do a, a Sabbath from, from technology every single week. You do? I, I do. It's, it's crucial. And I, it's just good for my brain to always know, Hey, there's people right here in front of you. Don't miss wow. them. Right. The, the Lord is right here with you. Don't miss that. <laughs> what, what does that look like for you? Uh, when you say take a Sabbath, what does it look like for you? What do you do? I don't use any social media. I will check, um, like phone calls. 
but I won't get on any social media apps from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's my time to de- to unplug from all that and just remind my brain, Hey, this is okay. <laughs> like yes. this is good for you. And yeah. it's, I've been doing this for like 10 years. And the other thing I do personally is I will not get on my phone if I haven't had worship that day. And for mm. me, I, I try, I try to read through the Bible every, um, every year. So I read about five chapters a day. So I will not get on my phone if I haven't read my scripture. And that's just because I know I was, it was weird because I was constantly having time to get on Instagram and I had no time to spend with God. And once I made that rule, I never missed worship again. Cause I was going to make wow. sure I was on my Instagram. That's a really good habit right there. That's some good habit so. stacking. Yeah. You know, I, I live out here near um, Yellowstone and Jackson, Wyoming, and it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, and you live in a beautiful part of the world as well there in Michigan, but one of the things I like to do on the weekends is just go for a hike uh, up in the yes. mountains and, and there's no cell coverage. And I can't tell you how relief it's, it's a relief. Yes. It's yes. a relief. I, I can't talk to anybody. No one can talk to me. There's no, nothing's pinging and notifications and you just become more aware of just the things that, well, I used to be aware of when I was a kid, but things like just the wind and the birds. Yes. Right. So so tell me for you, what, what do you become more aware of when you're on your Sabbath? No, you've, you've said exactly. I always, it's wild how much now I'm like, wow, the birds, what do you hear? (laughs) The birds are chirping and wind. I'm really into wind right now because I do prayer walks every morning. I'm like, oh, it almost feels like holy to just feel the wind come blowing across you. Right. It's yeah. There's so much beauty right here in front of us. Okay. So now you mentioned before we started recording, you had, you know, somebody in Idaho Falls, Idaho, if you ever get out here, there's some great hiking, but here's, here's my point on the wind, you go to the top of some of these peaks and the wind is just coming like crazy. And I remember a friend years ago, she said she loves the wind because it reminds her of the Holy spirit. Yeah. And she, she said to whenever she's in a, in that situation, she puts her hands up so she can just have the complete feel of it all. And so whenever, <laughs> whenever I'm top of this uh, a hill or a mountain and it's just windy, I just put my hands up and it's just a moment. I, Darren, this just made my heart so happy because I am the same. And I always think like, these are my creepy Christian things that I do that I don't tell everybody. So I'm so glad that we connected on this because I, whenever the wind starts blowing and I hear it in the trees, I'm like, this is a sacred space, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, Viral Jesus podcast episode, you had a couple of young men on there, uh, Darren and Jordan Starks. And really impressive young guys. But back to this whole Gen Z and what's happening with young men. One of the things that I won't speak for them, but it came up in the topic was um, all the distractions online, but it came up as on porn as well. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when I'm, I do, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, obviously, and I do a podcast, mm-hmm. but that's one of the topics that I don't think we've confronted enough as a society, what's going on with young men the 24-7 access to really, really destructive things for especially young men. And I, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I think it's something we have to address. Yes. And it's probably the number one thing that students will come in my office and talk about. Is that right? Um, yes, because the shame that they feel. And so I think what I've, what I've, 
changed, I think a little bit, my conversation on it, because I've realized probably even some of the damage that I've done in making a young person who was, I think they say like the average age that somebody starts watching porn today, a little boy is like nine or 10, right? Unbelievable. So their brain is totally not formed. They don't at all understand the consequences of what they're doing, right? Curiosity gets to them and they develop these habits. And I think I personally, so I've personally done some damage, I think, in in just always talking about the evils of porn without talking about the redemption that can happen. And so I really want to correct that myself. So what I say to my students now is essentially like I this is what I do. I just say, hey, if there if there's a calendar right here, um, how many days have you watched porn in the last, you know, if this is a month? And often, at least with my students, I'm not, this might not be true for everybody, but often they'll come, they'll say, I'm a porn addict. And I'll say, okay, how many days did you watch porn in the last month? And they're like, well, I watched it yesterday, right? So they're feeling all the shame from yesterday. But before that, I hadn't watched it for like three or four weeks. Mm. And I say, okay, well, words mean things. Addiction is something that burns relationships, burns resources, and is very destructive to your time. So maybe you're not an addict. Language is powerful. Maybe you're not an addict. Maybe you're somebody who watched porn. So let's use that appropriately. And so here's the goal, friend. We're going to try to go more days without doing it. And then we're going to try to go more days without doing it. A righteous man falls down seven times and gets up eight. The wicked fall once. And they say, well, I'm an addict. There's nothing I can do. Right. Like we have to encourage this generation to please get back up. They, I think, unfortunately, we've, and I'm part of the problem. I've done a really good job about talking about the evils of porn. And I did not do a good job about telling them that they can get back up and that nothing would bring you so far that God doesn't want you or still love you. And so I just really hope I can be more um, intentional and compassionate about my language around that. And I hope whoever's listening, as we talk to our young people, we would encourage them that they can get back up and we just keep going. Very, very thoughtful response. Very wise as well. Thank you for that. Thank you. So Heather, looking forward in 2023, what are you most excited about? What projects are you working on that are going to be coming up? What, what What's coming up? So many, so many. And I don't know what I can talk about right now. Um, so I'm, <laughs> well, I have like, to have. yeah, I have so many transitions I think that are coming. Uh, so I'm just going to say, what I'm most excited, you know what, here's the most, here's the the soonest one that's coming is I get to go speak with Beth Moore. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, I'm going to be um, speaking with her at a living proof live event in June. And I cannot wait. That's a big deal. And she wrote, did I, am I right? She wrote the forward to your book as well. She wrote the forward to my book. I have, she has been a wonderful um, mentor to me and I am honored to be able to share a stage with her. Somebody who's whose career has just been very inspirational to mine. Sounds like a mentor. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is the I Dare You podcast. And uh, we ask all, I ask all my guests, what is the challenge you'd have for us? The I Dare You challenge. What do you got for us, Heather? I dare you to live today as if it matters. What does that mean for you? What are you going to do today? If today really matters, if today is actually incredibly significant to the rest of your life, what is that going to look like? What are you going to do? That's great. That that one's going to linger for a while. Thanks for that question, for that challenge. 
Heather, last question I've got for your mom. And as you look at, and you work with young people all the time, as you look at the future for your kids, what are you most excited about for them as they grow into uh, their teen years and adulthood? You know, I think what I'm most excited about as I look at this generation is I think that they're, I'm hopefully optimistic that there is a rejection of power. Um, I think at least for my generation, power was still very, very, very enticing. And you may lose some of your integrity or character and tell yourself it's for the right reasons because this position is going to be so important and I'll be, I'll be able to do so much more good. I'm not seeing this with them. And I think that that's very interesting And I'm excited to watch because I think there is going to be something that the Holy Spirit can do with a generation that is not enticed by worldly power that he could only do in a generation like that if they would submit themselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. So I am watching and I am optimistic and I'm extremely hopeful. It's good. God's still in control with all the chaos. God's still in control. Amen. All right. So now, everybody, uh, the the name of the book is I'll See You Tomorrow. The name of the podcast is Viral Jesus. I can't recommend that enough. Uh, Go there and listen to it, of course, after you've binge listened to every episode of I Dare You podcast. But it's a phenomenal podcast. So uh, congratulations to you on that, Heather. Thank you Uh, But you you have given us so many things to think about and some fresh insights and a lot of important topics. And I can't thank you enough for being here with us today. Thanks, Heather. Thank you for having me. Okay, that was Heather Thompson Day. I hope you enjoyed getting to know her and what she's all about. You talk about someone with a calling and doing some pretty cool things with her life, um, embracing what it means to be a mentor and helping others. Uh, Heather's living it, and I really admire her, and I enjoyed getting to know her. Her new book, I'll See You Tomorrow, Building Relational Resilience When You Want to Quit. Uh, This is one of those books, I have to tell you, that I bought it. I've, I've purchased several copies for family and friends. It's that type of a book. And if you love the interview with Heather, uh, you may want to check out that book, but also her podcast, Viral Jesus. It's incredible. And I, I'm so glad you're here on the I Dare You podcast. And straight away, check out Viral Jesus. So now that you listened and enjoyed the episode, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. I'd love to have you here. Also, follow us on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. There you'll get exclusive content you won't find anywhere else, including video snippets of this interview with Heather. And also, I invite you to share this episode with whoever you're thinking of right now, friends and family important in your life. As you know, in this interview, we talked about issues facing young men and young women. Don't be shy. As we talked about, it just takes that one small act uh, from others that you can mentor others. And sharing a podcast with someone like this, this type of a conversation, is part of mentoring someone else. Think of it that way. So take that next step, especially for those people who are important in your life. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Episode 72 and this podcast. This, this podcast is growing rapidly, and it does not happen without all of you. We have no ad budget. We don't have huge influencers. We have us. We have you. You're listening. You're sharing, and I appreciate that. And we're not done yet. We're just getting started. Episode 73 is coming up next week. Another great guest. I'm finishing the editing right now, and I can't wait for you to hear this one as well. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week on the I Dare You podcast.